except from afar for long, but we became fast friends because of their spirit. I'm sure you know their character and you know why we love them, you love them. And I want to thank them for the basket, the, the room, and for the privilege of ministering to all of you. I want to thank you for being here. I feel like God nowadays with COVID, with everything that's happening, I, I think his heart skips a beat when he sees people, whether they have to wear a mask or not, go where people are afraid to go, to church. And they say, this is too important for me. You know, if I, if I can go to Walmart, I can come to church. Amen. Amen. I, I feel like God is, uh, he's got feelings too, you know. And if, if people don't even care enough to go to his house, uh, his, his feelings get hurt, I believe. But for those of you who made it here, and even those of you online, I know some of you may be sick or maybe dealing with issues that you, you can't get out, but you clicked on, you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into the presence of God somehow anyway. So thank you for being here. I, I, I feel like God has already confirmed what he's asked me to do, but uh, let me just give you a few remarks to help you know where we're going. Forgive me for being a little bit simple today. I, I'm simple anyway, but I, I just felt to remind you of a concept. It's probably something you already understand, but kind of forgot. It, God, I believe, must trust this congregation because uh, he's, he's asked me to kind of lead you, maybe minister to you more than preach to you this morning. And I know that's kind of hard to do because you don't know me very well. You don't know uh, my personality or anything. But you know the presence of God, don't you? We know the same God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, this has been a tough year. I feel like God just wants to come minister to you today in a special way. And ironically, I'm about to practice what I'm about to preach. I'm practicing what I'm preaching even right now. And I want to talk to you this morning about this topic. You are a spring. Would you say that with me? You are a spring. One more time. You are... Turn to your neighbor and tell them that. You are a spring. Here's a quick example. And then we're going to read our text and I'll let you sit down. When I was very young... Uh, in the ministry, I was in a youth minister in Texas, uh, and this couple called me to their house. She was, they were newlywed, she was all upset because her husband was on the couch, and he was catatonic. He just, he sat there, his eyes were closed, he did not move, she couldn't rouse him, it's almost like he went into a coma. And she had a sense that it was a spiritual or an emotional thing. So she called me and I was, you know, 20 years old or something like that. And I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Still don't know what I'm doing sometimes. And, and so I go into this house and there's this young couple that I'm supposed to help. And uh, I, I try to talk to the guy, Jeff, are you okay? And he's, he doesn't open his eyes. He's just sitting there on the couch. So I, I sat down and I, I tried to kind of ease into it. I, I, I put my arm around him and said, hey, hey man, hey buddy, how you doing? You know, I just tried to connect with him somehow. He, he, he just sat there, just nothing. So I didn't know what to do. What do you do in a time like that? Uh, 
maybe we should call the doctor. I, you know, all kinds of things went through my mind. Who, who am I? At? Maybe if I were older, I'd know how to do this thing. So I just did all I knew to do. I just started praying for him. Just kept my hand on him and I just said, God, we love you. We need you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, I pray your presence would be here. God, I pray that you would move here. I just said everything I knew to say. Uh, I wasn't trying to do some kind of a spell. I was trying to connect with God. I just, uh, I didn't know what to do, so I just had to turn to God. And I, I just tried to open up the windows of heaven. We sang two songs that go right along with what God wants to say to you today. We say, God, open up the windows of heaven. But a lot of times when we say, God, open up the windows of heaven, we're waiting for some big splash from the sky. But the window to heaven is right here. God said he would fill you from the inside. So when God flows, whenever he can, he tries to flow from inside you, not from outside you. Many times in services, because somebody else is flowing, because the praise team is flowing, because the preacher's flowing, we're sitting there and it's like, boy, I feel goosebumps. Well, there's, there's, there's the Spirit of God is here. So sometimes we do feel the presence of God out there. But ultimately, He wants you to feel the presence of God in here. And He wants it to bubble out through your lips and through your voice and through your hands. And, 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 and when we say open the windows of heaven, we're really saying, God, help me to connect with you and help me to let you flow through me and it might be me just sitting on the couch praying for this guy and after 10, 15, 20 minutes I just kept praying and then I started praying in tongues because when you don't know what to pray the Holy Spirit will pray through you and I just started praying in tongues and, and after a while he seemed to move just a little bit and I, I kept calling on the name of Jesus and I told him worship God and, and it, it took, I don't know how long it took, it must have been a half hour or so and the more I prayed the more he stirred and after a while he began to mumble and, and then before long I, I encouraged him just, just say the name of Jesus and he said the name of Jesus and before long he was speaking in tongues and, and then it was gone and we don't know what happened I don't know what got done I, I don't know what got fixed I don't know if he was going into a deep dark depression or what all I know is I didn't know what to do but God knew what to do all, all I needed to do is connect with him so John chapter 7 verse 38 tells us, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly, out of his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. And my guess is, I'm just guessing, my guess is in the last year, your belly has gotten a little clogged. It's gotten a little bit bogged down. There's just been a lot of pressure. There's been a lot of things. And, and what about what's going to happen? And politically, what's happening? And before long, our, our, our river gets clogged up. And then we're, we're saying, where is God? Well, God is still the same place He ever was. But we're having a hard time letting it flow. Right. So I'm wondering if you pray with me that before we leave this house, maybe we can do what I did with Jeff on his couch. 
Maybe we can just let the, the Spirit of God continue to, to flow right here. And before you leave this house, uh, maybe somebody who hasn't spoken in tongues in a while, somebody who hasn't had hope in a while, somebody who's just been bothered about something, somebody who's been overwhelmed lately. If you could realize it doesn't take some miracle, it doesn't say, take God doing some cataclysmic thing. All it takes is if you can unclog that innermost being. If you could just get something flowing again. Would you pray for yourself first of all? Let's just ask God. If you'll stay first. God, if I'm clogged up in any way, I'm, I'm willing for you to unclog me. God, I pray right now for this congregation. You, you've prompted me to pray for them. You've trusted them, God, to open up their spirits. I, I pray, God, that you would begin to flow in this auditorium. I pray there'd be an anointing that goes through every being, Lord, that vibrates. I pray, God, that you would move in every emotion. I pray you'd move in every spirit. I pray that you would heal body, soul, and spirit today. I lose your will in this congregation. I'm asking, God, that there would be an anointing, not just on me, but an anointing on everyone who's here today. You would flow. Let's give him some praise now, would you? I trust you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I am going to ask you a time or two to pray with me. If you can just consider this maybe more of a devotion today. There's four basic needs that men have. Shelter, food, water, and fire. And of those four basic needs, the most immediately necessary is water. You'll die quickest without water. You can die... Uh, you can go for days without food. You can go for days without shelter. But water, everybody needs. So water is an amazing thing that you and I just, we, a lot of times, don't even realize how important it is. Uh, Texas didn't realize how important water was until everything went south down there. Everything got shut down and they, they couldn't live because the water was tainted. Where, uh, I'm from Montana, and, but I spent 12 years in Texas, and when I was down there, I was going to college in a town called San Marcos. In that town, there's a place called Aqua Rena Springs. It's a pretty neat place. Uh, you can go visit there. It's, it's this lake, and if, if you, uh, it's kind of a theme park, too, because you can, you can rent glass-bottom boats, and you can go out on this beautiful lake, completely pure water, clean, 30, 40 feet deep. And, and you can look down and see the fish. And at the bottom of the lake, you can see it bubbling because there's springs. There's 200 springs that they put out four to 500 gallons a minute. That means there's 225 million gallons of water that bubble out of the ground into that lake every day. Cool, 72 degrees, beautiful. In fact, there's these big albino catfish that they just sit around all day at the bottom of this aquamarine springs and they just move their mouth getting little bits and particles as the springs bubble up to them. Just this utopia down there. But for 75 miles south of that Aquarina Springs, the San Marcos River flows, and it takes care of all the people down in the valley and all the rice fields and all the, all the stuff that happens agriculturally down there. It's not really all that important to you and I, but to the farmer in southern Texas, those springs are really important. The springs are, 
are interesting. If, if I were a spring and I was in the middle of the forest and I was bubbling out into this little pool of water, my job would be what? Bubble. The deer would come and they would drink and they would live because they drank. But if the deer came and looked at me and said, I don't like the way you look and I don't like the way you bubble, I'm not going to drink from you, I would still be a spring. This, again, it seems real simple, but this is kind of profound, at least for me. I have to keep reminding myself of this. I am a spring. God has filled me with His Spirit. My job is to be me. My job is to flow out whenever I can. Right now, I'm going to try to flow out to you. If you don't like me, you don't have to drink. But I'm not going to stop, stop bubbling. If I look at you and say, they're not drinking, and I stop bubbling, then nobody benefits. So if I'm preaching what I think God wants me to preach, and you have a sour look on your face, I have to say, I can't even look at their faces like Jeremiah did. I just have to bubble. I'm a spring. And I don't care what the government says. I don't care what society says. I don't care what's cool. I don't care what, every, what's, what's, what everybody's doing, what the fashion is right now. I'm a spring. That takes a lot of pressure off me. I don't have to please the congregation. I don't have to be the latest and the greatest. I don't have to be a, a big name or something like that. All I have to be is this hole in the ground. All I have to be is I, I connect with God and I let Him flow through me and I'm done. It doesn't matter if I'm a pastor or if I'm a retired pastor. It doesn't matter if I never had a license. It doesn't matter if I never taught, taught a Sunday school class. If I'm just that little hole, if I just let God flow through me somehow. There's some people in this room right now that you've measured yourself by your position or what other people think of you or how many people you have taught a Bible study to, whatever. Stop all of that. Just be a spring. You don't have to be anything but a hole in the ground. The apostle, uh, the, the apostolic study Bible says about our text that Jesus is actually quoting a conglomeration of scriptures from Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, and Zechariah. I want to read his text, this text, and the next verse from the New Living Translation. John 7, 38 and 39. It says, Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to every one believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. I don't know if there's anybody here or online who's never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the reason we go to all the trouble and we keep pushing, come on, pray until you speak in tongues. Pray until you speak in tongues. We're not really after an ecstatic experience. We're really not after the, the, the tingle of speaking in tongues. What we're really saying is, if you can connect with God, if you can repent of your sins and get rid of all the sin, and then you can let God begin to flow into your life, He is going to bubble out of you, and when He does, you're going to speak in a language that you never spoken before. That's not something you have to do. That's something you get to do. That's how, that's how he flows out of you. So that's why many times if you go five, six days and you haven't spoken in tongues, it's not like, oh, I better go speak in tongues so I can get to heaven. What we're really saying is the spring is clogged up. I, something's wrong. And if, 
if my water pipes are clogged up at home, I don't say, oh, well, it'll get taken care of. Alarm bells go off. Call the plumber. Come on, we got to get this thing going. That's too important. And if I haven't spoken in tongues in a while, if I haven't felt the love of God flow through me in a while, if, if I'm having trouble loving other people, something's wrong. I need to fix that. That's more important than anything else in my life. You are spring. And this is how I see it. Let's suppose this entire congregation or this entire um, room was a swimming pool. Say it was a, a 10 foot swimming pool. And I wanted to fill the swimming pool with water. I might get my little three quarter inch garden hose, hook it up to a faucet, bring it in here and lay it down and turn that faucet, you know, wide open. How long is it going to take that hose to fill up this room to 10 feet of water? Days maybe, right? But what if I pulled in a hose over here and 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 maybe 25, 30 hoses and turn them all on. How long would it take to fill up that swimming pool? This is a pastor's dream. If the pastor comes to church and he says, God, we need you in this town. We need you in this service. And he opens up his hose and he begins to pour out his heart. Then it, it dribbles out and some people are blessed. But if the whole congregation is sitting there uh, I don't even feel the water yet. I wish, wish he'd tell a funny story. I like it when he tells funny stories. And that little trickle, you know, starts trying to fill up the service. But, but if the preacher says something and you've already been talking to God that morning and it's like, boy, God's been talking to me about that and your, your, your spirit begins to open up and a little bit of Holy Ghost flows over here and a little bit of Holy Ghost flows over here a little bit of Holy Ghost flows over here boy, the springs there's, there's hundreds of gallons of water that can begin to flow out all you have to, it's just very simple if everybody would be a spring if everybody in this room would be a spring we would see the windows of heaven opened up but there's things we do. We don't even mean to do it. We shut down the springs. We don't mean to, but we do it. You and I sometimes shut down our springs because we judge, I'm not worthy. I could go, like with Jeff, I could have gone and said, well, I don't know what to do. I'm, I, I'll go get somebody who does. But I, I didn't know what to do, but I, I knew if I could connect with God, God would know what to do. Yes. So if, if you judge things like, oh, you know, sister so-and-so, she's spiritual, she can do things, but I can't do anything. So uh, if, if my neighbor needs prayer, I'm going to call sister so-and-so. No, 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 no. You are a spring. You are a spring. I don't even know you, but you can be a spring. They're, all of you are potential springs. If you go to work and someone's got a headache and, and they're open to you and say, hey, you mind if I pray for you? You're a spring. You don't have to understand the headache. You, may not, you don't know what it's related to. You don't know how to heal headaches. Faith healers don't not know how to heal headaches. Nobody knows how to heal. Only God knows how to heal. But I can pray. I can let a little flow through me. I can just very simply put my hand over there and say, Jesus, have your way. My, my little brother was uh, eight or nine years old and my grandmother was visiting. My grandmother at the time had not been baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost and she had a migraine 
And she was complaining about a migraine headache. And my little eight-year-old brother, who'd been to Sunday school and didn't know any better, said, Grandma, Jesus can heal your headache. Can I pray for you? And he put his little hand over on her, and he prayed for her headache, and her headache went away. He'd never been to Bible school. He hadn't done a course in faith healing. He didn't know all the scriptures on how to do that. He just was a spring. He just believed that God healed. He'd heard stories about it. He knew prayer worked. He just reached to heaven and reached to earth, and, and something flowed through him, and God healed. Oh, but, but I messed up. You know, I, I've, I've got sin in my life. Well, it doesn't take but a minute to take care of sin. I, I've confessed my sins. You're faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Done. Done. Now my sin's taken care of. For, let me pray for you. Because if, if you can just be that vessel. So the enemy puts most of his energy on clogging the wells. Clogging the springs. And you and I have probably seen this very clearly in the last year. How many of you have ever heard of the devotional called Streams in the Desert? Right, it is a, it's a very well-known, older devotional, written in 1925 and is the best-selling devotional of all times. But it was written by a man by the name of Kalman. It was written because he was in bed, having had a stroke. And he couldn't preach anymore. He, he was a missionary, but he couldn't missionary. So he was stuck in bed, and he just started writing these devotionals. And in fact, he said many times, I did not write streams. God gave me streams. He was in a weak spot. He, he didn't know how to handle things. He didn't know how to get out of a stroke position. God healed, but he was in bed. And he just let the Holy Ghost begin to inspire words. And he became a stream that's gone on to bless many, many, many people. You and I, your pastor just said it, we are living in a desert place. We are living in a place where people are angry and, and they don't even know why they're angry. You don't have to do very much. Just throw out a little cause and they'll burn a building down. They don't even know what they're mad at. They don't even know what they're protesting. They're just showing up because they're mad. Something's, something's bothering them. Life isn't right. And I haven't been treated right. There's all kinds of anger. They don't understand the spirit world that's working on them. They're mad and they're depressed and they're discouraged and they're upset. And, and there's all kinds of division. And they, they don't understand why they can't get their world working right. And it, it is so bad that you and I, if we're not careful, we look out at the desert and we say, that is so bad, I want to stay over here in my little corner, curl up in a ball, and, and survive. And God is saying to you, God is saying to CAC, you are here for such a time as this. This is, this is an ideal time. You and I are, are going to go into the greatest harvest we've ever had because that dry ground out there, those people who are upset out there, those people who are pointing you to heaven, all of those people that are mad out there, if, if you could learn how to love them anyway, if you could learn how to let kindness flow out of you, if you could be a stream, people are going to start recognizing, hey, everything is bad, but look at that group of people. They may dress funny, but they have love in their hearts. They may have issues, they may have lifestyles that I don't understand and I may not even like, but I feel something when I'm around them. 
You are a stream. I'm saying we don't need to look at politics and we don't need to look at COVID and all that and, and get glum about it. We, we need to look to heaven and say, there's a desert out there, God. Turn that desert into a garden, Lord. Let there be streams in the desert and I will be the stream. Yes, yes. Would you stand with me and we're just going to pray on that for a minute. I'm not here just to talk or give you a neat idea. I'm believing that that there's going to be some healings this week because somebody quits getting intimidated by your own weaknesses. Dismiss all the lies the enemy puts on you. You better not pray for them. They'll laugh at you. Who are you? You messed up last week. I'd like to pray right now for you. And I'd like you just to, to kind of receive right now. Would you just receive right now? God, I pray for this congregation. I don't know what they need, but I am trying to be a spring right now, Lord. And I pray that your spirit would come. And I pray against fear. I come against depression. I come against discouragement. I come against heaviness. I come against the lies that the enemy has spoken. I come against feelings of inadequacy. And I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of heaven and its power, of grace and your glory. I pray, Lord, that you'd help people in this room to open up and begin to flow. Uh, God, reopen those streams. I pray you would reopen those streams uh, that you've used in the past. I pray, Lord, that you would flow through them. I pray, God, that you would anoint their worship and you would anoint their ministry all over again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, you may be seated. Listen now, Isaiah describes you and I, the church. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, Isaiah 35, 1 through 10. Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display His glory. In Newark, God will display His glory. In the middle of Ohio, God will display... Well, well Brother Hanson, you don't know how bad it is. I'm from Connecticut. You... We're as blue as blue can get. We're as locked. We got the virus worse than almost anybody but New York City. But I have a God who's bigger than all of that. And I'm believing for New England to bloom. So can you believe for Ohio to bloom? I'll believe for New England if you believe for Ohio. God wants to flow out into... He, it's not like we're hanging on and it's getting worse and worse and churches are getting smaller and smaller and one of these days we're finally going to be snuffed out. When Jesus comes back, He's going to have a triumphant church. He's going to have a growing church. He's going to have a victorious church. There the Lord will display His glory, the splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have...
tied hands, tired hands rather, and encourage those who have weak knees. I'm doing that today. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He's coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived, and a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the Highway of Holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will only be for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beasts. There'll be no other dangers. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. That's how our church should be. That's why we worship in church services. You know why some of your best Moments are during worship service is because you got a whole bunch of people up here priming the well. There's a whole bunch of people up here trying to get stuff out, get, get you flowing. Come on, sing with me, sing with me, sing with me. And before you know it, you're saying things you don't even believe. God, you're awesome. You're wonderful. You're going to take care of everything. When all, all week long, you've been wondering, where is God? And is God awesome? Is He going to take care of things? But when you get to singing and you let that well begin to go, when you stop thinking it all through and figuring it all out, He begins to flow and anointing flows and faith flows and people's lives are touched. And God turns a desert into a garden. God wants to flood Ohio. Well, how are we going to reach Newark and, and Heath and, and Hebron and all these areas around here? God, how are we going to get Granville? I know that Granville's, uh, uh, you know, it's really educated. How, how are we going to get into that? I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'm just going to be a hole in the ground. He needs... Thousands of springs. Your pastor can't do it alone. You have to go out there in your neighborhood and turn your faucet on. It might be as simple as not kicking the dog next door that you hate so bad. God has come to our congregation, the one I pastor, and he said many things. Now, I'm just going to read you some statements he's made to our congregation that I believe is to the church in general. I think he's probably made them to your congregation too. He said, I'm making you into pools in this area. He said, my spirit will blow through you. Be in the pathway of my wind. I will use you, my people. He said, you will do things you never dreamed of. Anybody heard God say things like that before? He says, my spirit is in you. I will overpower every opposing wind. I have put angels. They, will be they have been commissioned to this time and place. They will open doors for you. He's told our district, Connecticut district, through five or six guest ministers, I'm going to give you a boat-seeking, net-breaking revival. I'm going to give you such a great revival, you're going to have to help each other. You're, each church is going to have to help the other church be able to handle this great revival. You know what? We haven't had that yet. Now, we've doubled in a decade. That's pretty good. But my brain starts figuring it out. Oh, well, it must not be happening. And then I have to decide, am I looking at the desert and deciding, or am I looking at the God who can turn a desert into a garden and deciding? I 
am the whole. I decide. You and I, he has been trying to talk a group of people for years and years. He tried to talk Israel to go not just into the wilderness, but through the wilderness. But they got to the promised land and they reasoned themselves shut. But it's not going to happen now. Jesus is coming. There's going to be a great church. He's going to find people who will just go out there and be those springs. Let me put it this way. I said it a little bit earlier, but the pressure is off. You don't have to be anything that God didn't make you. All you have to be is an honest vessel who gets their heart right with God and then does not shut him down when he tries to flow through them to other people. It's that simple. The man Christ Jesus did this. He said, whatever the Father says to do, I do. Whatever the Father says, I say. I'm just... I'm just this whole. I just go about and, and I just do what he says to do. And that guy's healed and that guy's healed. And you know what? He was so confident in this concept that he would go heal people and, and the dead would be raised and the deaf would hear and the lame would walk. And he sometimes would say, hey, don't, don't tell anybody. Now, if, if I healed, if I prayed and some guy came out of a wheelchair, it's going on Facebook. Right? Because I want everyone to believe in healing. Not, not so I can get the glory, but it's like, we, we better tell everybody. Tell them to come to this church and be healed. But Jesus was so confident. He said, we don't even need to advertise it. Because I know everywhere I go, everywhere I'm this, this spring, every, everyone I touch, I'm just, let's, let's quit trying to make Madison Avenue Christianity. And let's just quietly go pray for our neighbor and pray for our grandma when she's sick and pray for the person at work that has a problem and just let God flow. Quit waiting on the next big speaker to come fix your church. Quit waiting on someone to come into town and bring a, a revival to, to this town. You are the revival in this town. You are the springs that God is going to flow through. In fact, at the beginning of John chapter 7, where we took our text from, Jesus did a few miracles, and his disciples had this great idea. And they said, hey, let's go to Jerusalem and do a few of these things, and we could start a, you know, a, a TV ministry or something. <laughs> and, and Jesus said, no, I'm not going to even go with you to Jerusalem. Right. And then he did go, but not with them, because he didn't want the big fuss. I don't want a big, showy, put-on church. I want, when I come to church, I don't want the glitz. I'm going to do my best. We're going to have good music and all that kind of stuff. But I want a move of the Holy Ghost. I, I want a real church where real problems are solved, where marriages are healed, where our kids can come and receive the Holy Ghost at a young age because there's a flow of the Holy Ghost there. How does that happen? It can't happen with one man in the pulpit. It's got to be a hose there and a hose there and a hose there and a hose there. You are a spring. Now, I submit to Brother Chester Wright. He's my pastor, my mentor. And he, he's taught a very simple concept many times. So often I get tired of hearing it. But it's right and I need to hear it again. He said, it's this simple. It's about hearing and repeating. 
And he uses the illustration I just used of Jesus. Jesus just did what the Father said to do. Hear and repeat. So here's the idea. If you've ever seen maybe how a submarine works, it works like this. There's a commander of the submarine, and then uh, well, there's a captain and then a commander, and then down in the main control room, there's an officer on deck, right? And it, if you're watching them operate, it'll go something like this. The officer on deck, because he's been told what to do from the bridge, he'll say something like, set course 180 degrees. Well, the conning officer will then repeat, set course 180 degrees. Then the helmsman will say, set course 180 degrees, and then he'll set the course 180 degrees. And when he set the course 180 degrees, he will say, course set 180 degrees, to which the, the conning officer will say, course set 180 degrees. And the captain will say, or the officer will say, course set 180 degrees. Why do those people keep repeating themselves? Why couldn't the, the, the officer have just told the helmsman 180 degrees and he says, okay, thank you, and sets it? Because they, they get in the spirit of it. They get in the flow of it. The head honcho says something. The next guy says the same thing. The next guy says the same thing. The next guy says the same thing, and then it happens. God says something, pastor gets in the pulpit and says something, pew says something, and when that begins to flow, when it all flows like that, we open up springs, things are changed, lives happen, lives are changed. You are spring. And sometimes our commander chief says, do this, and we say, I don't know if that'll work, God. God just wants to flow through you. That little Bible study you've been putting off because of COVID, get on Zoom or something and teach that Bible study. Here's what he says about you in 1 Peter chapter 2. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'd like to read that from the message, which is just a paraphrase, but it says this. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. When God told Noah to build an ark, He could have argued with him. It wasn't really a good idea to build a boat away from water. When God told Moses to take three million people into the wilderness, it wasn't really a smart idea. And Moses didn't really want to do it. And some of the elders had problem doing it. But finally God, through snakes and through leprosy and all kinds of things, talked them into going there. And it became an epic story. There's going to be resistance to you being a spring. But in just a minute, we're going to close with a time of prayer. And I'm going to pray with you that God would unclog your spring and give you some courage to overcome that resistance. I live about a block from a, a spring-fed lake. And we have a beaver problem. What happens is our little lake 
is spring-fed, and it goes into a little, what's called the Five Mile River. But in order to get there, it goes through a couple of swamps. And we have beavers in those swamps, and those beavers will come and make their dams like they normally do, and, and they're just doing what beavers are supposed to do, but they'll, they'll dam up the outlet to that lake. The problem is, when that little lake gets deeper, the weight of the water shuts down those springs. And so it makes our little lake a dead lake. So we have to get the, those little beavers taken care of. And it's really that simple for you. I don't know what it is right now. It might be that a year of COVID has really kept you from coming to church and worshiping out loud like you used to worship out loud. It might be just something little like you prayed for God to heal somebody and they died. So now you're wondering, does God heal? And you close down your spring. But God wants to unclog those. If you'll stand with me. About a mile and a half from here, just east of here is Raccoon Creek. It may not seem like a very big deal. It's 114 miles long. It's the longest creek in Ohio. And it drains 683 square miles of Ohio. And that little creek, Raccoon Creek, if you measure that on an average day, it would be flowing at 120 cubic feet per second of water. Not a really big deal. But then that flows to the south fork of the Licking River. And the north fork comes together into the Licking River. And the Licking River begins to flow together. The Raccoon Creek, the Licking Rivers, and all their tributaries. And by the time you get done putting all those tributaries together, there's 976 cubic feet per second flowing through the Licking River channel. That's eight times what Raccoon Creek was. Well, then the Licking River joins some other rivers and comes to the Muskegon River. And that, that river is 981 miles long, and it picks up tributaries all along the way. It eventually reaches 281,000 cubic feet per second. That's 10 times what the Licking River is producing. But it doesn't stop there. That Muskegon River flows into the Ohio River, which is 2,320 miles long, and it eventually averages 593,000 cubic feet per second. Excuse me, I, I missed one. Uh, let me back up. Those are bad facts, let me back up, okay? Ohio River is 281,000 square feet per second. It flows into the Mississippi River that comes to those numbers I just gave you, 593 thousand cubic feet per second. The, the Mississippi River is putting 4,900 times as much water into the Gulf of Mexico as Raccoon Creek is putting into the, the, the Licking River. My point is this. You're thinking, well, Sister Sostrand, she's a mighty river, but I'm just a, I'm just a trickle. 
it doesn't really make any difference if I flow. I mean, if I don't flow, they'll flow. But if Raccoon Creek was shut down and then Licking River was shut down and then Muskegon was shut down and Ohio, the, the whole nation, the, the, the Mississippi drains 40% of North America. Millions of people depend on that water. And some of it starts right up here in the middle of Ohio, the little string called Raccoon that nobody knows about. There's some people in this room that God wants to use that way. But lately you just, you prayed and you didn't see the prayer answered, so you're thinking, my prayers don't work. I'm here to say, I understand how you feel. I've made a lot of prayers that I didn't see answered. But all I know to do is just for another 20 minutes keep my hand on the sole shoulder of the young man and say, God, I still don't know. Lord, I still don't know. In Jesus' name, would you, would you have your way? Would you have your way? God, I don't trust in me. I don't trust in my understanding of this. But Lord, I pray you'd begin to flow. I pray right now that you would uh, I don't know how you do your altar nowadays, but if, if you'd like to come to the front or stay where you're at, I pray you'd move somewhere right now to where you could be next to somebody that you, you feel comfortable praying for right now. Would you either come to the front or stay where you're at and, and move to where you can pray for somebody in the next few minutes? And we're going to pray that God, you can move right now as I'm talking. We're going to pray that God would begin to flow as the praise team begins to play. We're going to we're going to pray that God would begin to flow where He hasn't flown in a, flowed in a while. If, if I were a spring, if I were just a little hole in the ground, all it would take was a couple of twigs. And those twigs would get crossways in that hole in the ground and then a little bit of Grass would catch on that and a few leaves would catch on that and then a little bit of mud would settle on top of that and before you know it, the spring is dead. And I'm saying in the Holy Ghost, there's some of you, the enemy has talked you out of flowing. Some of you don't even understand and I, I sorry, I don't mean to get out of my place here. You can correct me, correct things when I'm gone, but... Some people don't understand why some Christians are getting upset at some things happening in politics and they think it's a Republican-Democrat thing. It's not. It's a matter of the enemy trying to shut down the flow. Canada, you can't even go to church. We had to, one of our churches went to the Supreme Court just so people in California could do what you're doing right here today because the government, they don't care if you go to a strip club. They don't care if you go to a restaurant. They don't care if you go someplace. Uh, you know, they've shut down a few places, but uh, most places have fewer precautions than you're taking here, but they want to shut churches down. And I'm not saying people want to do that. I'm saying the enemy is trying to use our situation and somehow, if I can just get people to stay home, it may not seem like a big deal. Well, I can worship at home. I'll guarantee you, you never worship at home like you worship in the house of God. At least I don't. There's a corporate thing that happens when all these hoses start flowing together. There's, there's something that happens in the spirit when we all get together and do that. And, and if, if that fear in the back of your mind says, well, I don't want to get COVID and die. Well, I'd rather die physically than spiritually. 
I mean that. I would rather make the mistake of getting COVID and if God didn't heal me, I'll see him in heaven rather than shutting down my spirit and backing off into a corner and not being who he called me to be. I can stay home and not touch another life my whole life and I can get to heaven alive and nobody with me. I'd rather take some people with me. I'd rather step out and... and and that fear, just every time you turn around, every time you look around, it's a mask and a mask and a mask. And every mask is reminding you, COVID, 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 COVID. Everywhere you go, everyone's trying to do things. They're doing stupid things, things that don't even make sense. They're, they're, they're having you stand in long lines so you don't get COVID. And so you're, now you're in these long lines with people you wouldn't have been in long lines with if they hadn't done whatever they're doing. But everybody wants to feel good about, well, we're fixing this. We're doing something. We're, we're, even the vaccines and all that. If, if, God, if God doesn't want the vaccines to work, the vaccines won't work. I've got to somehow rise above my fear. Fear shuts us down. Fear keeps us from flowing. Fear keeps us from even praying. We, it's like, well, God, some great men and women in the faith, I mean, people that we look up to, I mean, prophets and evangelists and people that move in the spirit, people who had healing ministries. COVID came and they died. Oh, no, what's happening? What's happening is God's being God. He's always been God. That's happened for centuries. People have, you'll die, I'll die, everybody will die. I can't stop believing in God just because I prayed for sister so-and-so to live and she didn't live. That's, that's, my, that's how the enemy closes down my prayers. Yes. Uh, if I pray for somebody for healing for cancer and they die of cancer, I may say, well, I'm not going to pray for anybody about cancer again. But if I pray for 10 people to be healed of cancer and only two of them are healed from cancer, well, at least two people are living that weren't living. I'm just going to step up. I have to be that spring. I have to just keep flowing. I can't let my brain, my logic, my fears shut me down. And, and some of you, I'm just telling you what the Holy Ghost is saying. It might be 90% of you in this room. There's just been a little bit of holding back. Even though you're here, even though you're worshiping, there's just, just emotionally, just spiritually, there's just a little bit of holding back. You haven't really cut loose in a long time. You haven't really let the, the spirit gush out of you in a little time. And you don't even know what it is. You're not bad. You're not evil. It's just all of these things. Just a twig here and a twig there and a newscast here and a disappointment here and something somebody said over here. And before you know it, it's like, oh God, do something. We're dying here. And he's saying, get the twigs out. Come on. Just come, come on. Just open your spirit again. Just pray like, you've, like you used to pray. Just talk in tongues like you used to talk in tongues. Just sing like you used to sing. Would you do that right now in closing?